Hello and welcome to another edition of the Legal Queen podcast. I have my son Patrick, who Hello. is the voice of Hey Mom, with me this evening. Um, we enjoyed our last pod, uh, podcast that we did together so much that we thought we would do another one. Round two. Um, hope you guys are enjoying them as much as we are, just sitting here having a chat um, and sharing different bits of information with you. So, Paddy, what are you going to ask me this evening? <laughs> and and we, we've made this, this pact, guys, for those of you that are listening, that we are not going to discuss the podcast before we actually actually do the podcast yeah. so I'm literally going into this completely blind <laughs> <laughs> well I, 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 the reason I said that is because I've, I've heard a few different podcasters uh, when they have different guests on they they kind of say they never want to talk about any talk type of conversation and save it all for the podcast so that's a natural reaction so I thought we'd kind of do the same so like I had plan. something in mind that yeah. um, obviously I know a little bit more about well I know quite a bit about because obviously I'm your son um, but I thought it might be quite interesting to talk about is your career oh okay um, as a solicitor yeah. kind of how it all started um, right. what made you go into that line of work and kind of I suppose all the way up to the present day so that's a bit of a wow, okay. <laughs> quite a few years, but I thought we could uh, yeah delve into that. My um, my career is is not the traditional you know left A levels went to do a law degree and then got a job in a law firm mm. and have always done law. Um, it is very different to that. So my first degree was actually an English degree um, and English and business studies actually to be to be precise. And I wanted to get involved in business in some way but didn't really know how um, by the time I'd finished my degree um, I was already married so I got married at 21 and actually um, finished my degree at 22 so by the time I finished my degree we me and your dad we had a mortgage to pay and we had bills to pay and the usual things so whilst I was trying to get a graduate job I was being um, a barmaid I was a waitress for a little while I got a job as a legal secretary um, my mum had given me a advice years before and said if you learn to type you'll never be out of work <laughs> you know she obviously was a child of the 50s and 60s um, and that's what women did back then um, but I listened to her and I did learn to type um, and yes it did stand me in good stead in those early years yeah, when you are a very good typer it's the one thing I actually <laughs> yeah. remember when I was younger you giving me lessons how to type <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize yeah you just literally one finger on a letter for about a gazillion times until yeah. your finger remembers that, that, that absolutely. letter absolutely and yeah when when you can type proficiently, you are using all 10 fingers. Yeah, um, I don't do that. <laughs> but no, and, and, and I think this generation doesn't. But yeah, my generation and my parents' generation, um, I think women um, were taught to type yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so I was a legal secretary. And um, then I started to have children. Um, so then you guys came along. Um, and me and dad made the decision that we would, I wouldn't work whilst you guys were babies. So for about nine years, um, I didn't work. I was a stay-at-home mum, thoroughly enjoyed it, um, became very attached. Obviously, there's only three of you then. Um, and then when it was time for me to think about going back to work, I then made the decision, well, if I'm going to do this, I want it to be worth our while because I really don't want to leave you three at school and nursery and all the rest of it for me to go off and just be a secretary for somebody. Right. 
So I decided I would retrain um, or train, I suppose. Um, and it was either a choice between medicine and law. I don't know why they were the only two choices, but they were. Medicine and law. Yeah. Wow. Very, yeah. Serious professions then. <laughs> and, I, and I chose medicine initially. <laughs> So I thought. Oh, did you? Did you I actually? Did, I actually joking. chose medicine. Oh, yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Um, I yeah. So I. Um, so then what I did was I thought, right, medicine is for me. Now let's have a look at qualifications I need. And I had physics, um, but I needed chemistry and or biology. So I decided that I would join a local college and go to night school. And I started to do A level chemistry. I did two night courses, two sessions, and then decided that I would, uh, it wasn't for me. So I then decided that actually, no, left night school, um, literally left on the second evening, running to the car park, thinking I have no clue what they're all talking about, went home, told Brendan, your dad, and just said, no, I think it's going to be the law for me. but of course, then hard. yeah, hard. then we moved to to Australia. Um, so that oh, this was before Australia. This was before Australia. Oh, I yeah. thought it all happened out there. No, it did. Yeah. So the 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 medicine part. Yeah. Well, the two the two nights at yeah, night school yeah. trying to do chemistry A level was before we left for Australia. Oh, I didn't know. Um, so then we went to Australia, and I enrolled in university as a, a postgrad because I already had a degree. Yeah on a law degree Mm -hmm. but it was great because I could actually do the classes at night which meant that I could look after you guys during the day and then when dad came home from work I would then skip off to university and I did that for three years oh my god and of course every night you'd have to do that no I went four four nights a week so Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and each evening was for three hours so it was a full-time course Um, there was the occasional all-day Saturday during the terms and of course, it was, I mean, your dad was really supportive because obviously I wouldn't really be able to revise too much in the day no. or to do assignments. So it would be all day Saturday and Sunday working, um, which meant that, you know, dad would be looking after you guys. And at the time, like dad didn't mind at all. Of course he didn't because he knew that I was working towards exams and, and to get in a law degree. Um, but I remember thinking, oh, I'm absolutely blessed because we've got boys and of course, dad's in his yeah, element because so he'd take true. you guys football and rugby. And whereas you I think yeah. if we had girls and he had to go to princess parties, he might not have been as keen. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I don't. Re- I remember doing a lot of sport actually in Australia. Like always, the weekends, it you know be playing football or cricket or whatever. And I, I str- I'm struggling. I'm pretty good at with my memory, but I'm struggling to remember like seeing you like revising so clearly it was always when we were out doing sports i remember or, i remember or, that or, or in like, bed yeah, or yeah in, oh, okay, in bed right, yeah. yeah um i was i would do a lot of late night stuff That's crazy. and then just to make things that little bit harder um i got pregnant with your brother um my youngest uh steve decky and um and yeah so uh, declan was born in my third year of studying um, Christ alive! But I, I, re- I really wanted it, it both. I wanted the law degree, and obviously we wanted another baby. So, so it so, all came together. So at this point, did you? Because you chose um, law. Yeah. Well, any job really at that point. You said the only reason you're going to go back to work was if it was worthwhile. Yeah. So you didn't choose it 
out of a passion I would have at the start but did it no. turn into while you were studying oh it? no not while I was studying it no because while I was studying it I didn't even know what I was going to do was I going to be a barrister right. I was going to be a solicitor hadn't even focused on subjects I really enjoyed equity and I think everybody really enjoys crime yeah because there's just a little bit of you know wow and um it's very dramatic isn't it crime with mm-hmm. the murders and, and whatnot um but no I hadn't made any decision then um I was just keen to to get the law degree um and then decide from there yeah so excuse me I decided that I would go to the bar and I would be a barrister so I finished my university um, degree, got that, and then went into training, uh, became a fully-fledged barrister, was admitted onto the role uh, for Queensland, Australia, and then went into crime. And of course, then, you know, you're newly qualified, baby barrister, you take whatever work you can get, because then what you're looking to get is experience. Yep. So I was literally being thrown a load of... Um, scraps really from the the big boys table and it was it started off as crime um, you know but petty petty crimes really I was duty solicitor for a little while barristers could do that um, in in the court so where you get all the people that are arrested over the weekend for petty crimes like peeing in the street and affray getting (laughs) drunk and disorderly and they're all thrown into the cells over the weekend and then on a Monday morning they come before the magistrates and they're either fined or they're sentenced or they're just given a slap on the wrists so you turn up to court and they're entitled to a duty legal representative so you'd be given like 50 or 60 files and they would literally raw, you know, walk into the room. You'd get five or ten minutes with them, make a few notes. And then when you'd seen them all, you go before the magistrates, one at a time. You just stand there for an hour and a half, maybe more, just going through all these 50 pleas. What, and you, you, so you had no, apart from that five, ten minutes, you yeah. hadn't seen the case before, you had no idea. No. You had a file. You had a file on them. Right. Um, so you'd have a quick look through the file. And, of course, because you're doing it so often, um, you, you really are. I mean, I'm, I'm sure when I look back um, at the beginning, I was probably incredibly slow and took my time but you do get used to it and so I did that for a little while and then I got a desk in a senior barrister's room literally had this huge big office I remember that and um, he had a desk in the corner and I I remember saying to him can I rent it from you because I just wanted to be in the presence of barristers I wanted to listen to them I wanted to like follow him to court and always stay in the shadows and he was like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So I rented this little desk in the corner. And um, and then he was a family barrister. And that's where it started. So he would routinely get way too much work and say to me, right, can you take this child contact case? Can you run over to court and, repre-? you know, we're on in an hour. Um, and that's where I fell in love with family. Right. So it was, it was I, I always say when people ask me, it found me really yep. more than I went looking for it. It was the barrister's room that I was after and to be amongst them. Um, and it just so happened he did family. Um, and yeah, they, they, there was about six or seven of them and they really took me under their wing. One lady in particular, her name was Catherine and she was an incredibly good barrister um, and she is now a judge for Queensland Court. Oh, right, okay. But yeah, so I was trained by some of the best. Jeez. Um, and it was it's it's really nice because you do get time to talk to judges when yeah, you're yeah, a barrister yeah. and they quite, give quite, you some quite valuable cl- advice. Clever really to like to make the decision to be like, right, I'm gonna rent an office so I'm that right beside the people that I wanna aspire to be to. 
rather than I suppose clocking off at five going home yeah you're, you're there all yeah. day or whatever around to be them. fair it wasn't even an office because I couldn't afford that okay it was a desk in his office oh I see yeah he had this huge big office oh okay right we were got just you. chatting at court one day and he said oh I've got this spare desk and I was like oh can I rent it from you didn't even think about it no way but, I, but that's all I could afford then because I wasn't right. getting regular work and obviously I didn't want to put any pressure on your dad because mm-hmm. your dad for a long time was just the main breadwinner yeah um and of course he was working and bringing home everything so i thought well anything that i incur i've got to make sure that my work covers the cost of that and i wasn't getting a lot of work back then so if we if you're both at work now mm-hmm. you so you, you pass the bar you, you're a barrister everything like that yeah. dad's still at work yeah what, at what point where are we like age-wise are we at school um you're all at school except for declan um and he's at nursery Right. So okay. yeah, so you're all at school. Um, so it would, you know, me and Dad would take it in turns. Whoever dropped off, the other person would pick up. I would usually do the drop-offs because Dad, being a builder, had to be at work early. Yeah. So he would be gone for sort of six half six in the morning, and of course in Australia it got hot very quickly. So he would his day would be finishing around two or three. Okay. They'd start early, finish early. So it worked great for us because yeah. I would be he would just get up and go. I would do all the pat lunches and all and do the school run, get you all to school, get to chambers for probably about half nine. But then I could then just work for as long as I needed to because dad would then yep. pick you all up, Got you. bring you home, do the tea, whatever. And I sort of roll in about Jeez. six, half six. So it, it was meant to be, I think. Bit it of a just, yeah, it worked really well. Love it. Um, so, yeah, I did that for a few years. I think we were in Australia for about six years, all told. Um, and then we decided to come back to England. You being our eldest, mm. we thought you were just about to start senior school. And we thought, right, what do we do? Do we stay? Do we go home? So we decided to come back to the UK. Um, and I thought, right, well, I'll just pick up where I left off. I'll get you all settled into school and I'll just go back to being a barrister. Um, but the bar council in the UK were like, no, 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 no. We're not having that. You know, <laughs> You've qualified in another jurisdiction. So we want you to do our bar practice course, right. which is a year and costs about 12 grand. Or it did then. And I'm oh going back about, oh, I'm going back a long time. I can't even remember now. Almost 20 years. Um, about 20 grand now. Or the other option was... Um, you could be, I could have just got my license to practice as a solicitor. I had to sit two exams um, and then I was given a, a license to practice as a solicitor. And after I'd been a solicitor for two years, then I could just make a seamless transition to the bar. Oh, okay. All so right. that was the plan. Right. So I thought, right, off we go. Um, so I sat my two exams, um, which having done a law degree was fine. I did those fairly quickly. Um, got my license to practice, was admitted on the role here in the UK, um, and then started looking for work. And of course, because I had all the advocacy experience, um, I was given a, a job fairly quickly in a family law firm um, in Swindon, which is why we decided to, because when we originally came back from Australia, we went back to Birmingham. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just got offered this role in Swindon knew nothing about Swindon, um, but said to Dad, well, look, we'll take it. Hence, we ended up in Wiltshire, living in Wiltshire. Oh, right. So it was the work that we, and of course, Dad being a builder, he's always been able to work anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was me that kind of took us down to Wiltshire, really. I mean, Dad was quite keen to leave Birmingham again anyway. I think yeah. once you leave a place, 
and you go and experience something else, it's really hard to go back to the same old, yeah. same old. Yeah. So I think we, we kind of hit Birmingham and thought, we don't really want to stay mm. here, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, we wanted somewhere, because we were quite, we were semi-rural in Australia, which yeah. was a great environment for you guys. We wanted to replicate that back mm-hmm. here. Oh, this does, th- well, apart from the weather, this I would say this does that. Yeah. Like the house we had in Australia, it's very similar to this one. Yeah. In terms of like the, the like rural and stuff like that. Yeah, semi-rural, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. So then I started working as a solicitor and, of course, the rest is history. Um, never looked back, really. So how come after the two years of being a solicitor, you then didn't decide to be a barrister? Ah, so after a year of working with this firm, the couple that owned it um, had... Uh, they had a family department, they had a wills department and a probate department and a conveyancing department. And they were probably pushing into their 60s. And they said to me, look, you're, you're obviously you know, good at what you do and you enjoy it. We're thinking of sort of downsizing. Would you be interested in purchasing the family department from us? And I thought, oh, okay, didn't see that coming, bit mm. of a curveball, um, but said, yes, okay, I'll do it. So that's why I never went back to the bar, because uh, since then, I then, well, I owned the firm then for probably nine or ten years yeah. before I eventually closed it down. Yeah. Um, so that's right. why I never went back to the bar. Okay, mm. okay. So since then, obviously, now you've been a solicitor well, the entire time you've been here. So how long How long has, in total have you been a solicitor? So I've been enrolled to practice law for just over 20 years, about 22 years. Right, okay. Um, and as a solicitor, probably 17, 18, and wow. the rest as a barrister. Mm. And have you ever thought about going back to being a barrister? No, because in Australia it was very different. We had chambers which is another word for the office where we all used to sit. And it was directly opposite the federal court. And all of our cases were heard. So whatever work we were given, we would literally walk across the road and into court. Whereas in the UK, you have a set of chambers where you sort of live and breathe, um, but you could be anywhere over the country. So you could be in London one day, you could be in Birmingham another day, you could be in Bristol another day, Cardiff another day, lots of travelling, which meant that, I think, on reflection when I sat and thought about it, if I'm going to go back to the bar and be a barrister, I'm going to have to prep of an evening. So I'm going to be travelling in the morning, (laughs) at court all day, travelling back in the afternoon, prepping in the evening for the next day's court. It's just going to be too much as a mum of four. Um, So not only did I take up the firm but then thought this is probably going to suit me better yep. because you guys were still very young then mm-hmm. and there was lots of after school activities and as you get older one's doing one and one's doing another of course dad couldn't do it all himself so I thought no I do need to be a lot more hands-on yeah yeah and obviously like you said in Australia the dynamic with you and dad obviously dad finishing early you starting a bit later mm. than him worked there did it mm. kind of carry on in into like when we moved back to England did that dynamic help or because dad's staying on a bit later i suppose because yeah. it's not as hot yeah absolutely i mean for a while dad actually joined the firm um and he oh, would help me yeah, yeah he would help me with all the um Finances all the, the finance yeah. part of it and all the bookkeeping and the invoices and all that sort of thing and he he's would work closely with the accountant he's really good at that sort of mm. stuff yeah, so really yeah good. for a while dad decided then that he would take a career break um so then which he thoroughly enjoyed and he was off well i say off 
he he wasn't in the in his profession you know as a carpenter yeah. for about three years because he would do the school run he would then come to the office and do the bookkeeping and then he would pick you guys up from school oh, yeah. and he really enjoyed that he just he loved doing the dinners and doing the home because he hadn't done any of that really no. since well for for a while um Every time we sort of moved around, I would always be the one to stay at home and, yeah. and sort everything out. And then once everyone was settled, then I'd go back to work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Dad took about three years and, and he thoroughly enjoyed it. And, of course, it hasn't always been plain sailing. I think, you know, it, it depends, of course, on the person that you are. But had I just wanted to be a solicitor, um, it, it probably would have worked out very differently. Mm-hmm. But because I'd made the decision to then purchase a firm... Um, that of course comes with its own risks and you know responsibilities Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and unfortunately that experience didn't end well Um, there was a contractual issue with the owners that I bought the firm from um, which ended up costing me an awful lot of money Um, I won't go into it but essentially the practice that I purchased had owed money to um, the Legal Services Commission way before I had ever got involved right and of course that was now kept from me right. but because I had purchased the department I was now responsible for it and it was a contractual thing where I couldn't get out of it so yeah that was a very very scary time yeah I can imagine I mean I suppose the risk of I mean telling the story how you did then about you coming down from Birmingham and obviously getting the job and then within what a year and a half two years mm. they offered you a mm. section of the, the yeah. firm yeah. Um it was quite a ballsy move to just Yeah, and, and looking back I I think, you know, I was fairly naive. I should have I should have taken advice on that contract. I should have had somebody explain it to me who did corporate law, commercial law, you know, buying and selling of law firms. I really should have taken a lot more advice. Yeah. But I, I you know, there was a time where and I'm sure everyone goes through this, you think you're indestructible. Mm-hmm. You know, you think, well, I've moved to Australia. We, I've got four kids. I've moved back again. I've got my law degree. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll turn my hand to, to whatever yep. it is I think I need to do um, to improve um, our, our life. And I just thought, yeah, here's a great opportunity. And they were both solicitors. So I trusted them implicitly. And I shouldn't have done. I shouldn't have yeah. done. And, you know, here I am sort of four or five years later and I'm being given a bill and I'm not exaggerating, for almost half a million pounds. Oh, my God. And I, I hadn't what? had any of that money, and I had to pay it back, yeah. And, of course, it finished me. And I, and I, I don't mind sharing that. It absolutely finished me. How long did yeah. it take to, to settle that? Um, the best part of about four or five years. Yeah, it was awful. Oh, it was million. awful. It was awful. I was literally working my backside off. I had to let loads of people go from the firm. Um, because I couldn't afford to pay them and I had to do all of the work myself literally ran myself into the ground I was working seven days a week Um, I was doing I was at court doing cases seeing clients I kept a couple of secretaries on literally just to help me with the admin Um, because of course I was the only fee earner solicitor what you did that for four years yeah well it got it got worse because then what happened um, the firm 
obviously I could only take so much. There's only 24 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. So you reach a ceiling where you've got all of these clients and you're servicing them. In the back of your mind, you're thinking, God, you know, I've got to be careful here because I have a duty of care to these people. So you you have to, at at some point, say, no, I literally can't take on any more clients. I'm Mm -hmm. full. But of course, you hit your ceiling then because in terms of the money that you can bring into the firm, you hit your ceiling. So what I then decided to do was um, get myself an outside job as well. And I then went and joined a firm where I was employed by that firm. So I was a solicitor for them. And I was sort of running the firm down, my firm down, um, but doing both. So I would have a regular nine to five Monday to Friday with them because that was providing a a solid income. But then I was also leaving that job and going over to my firm that would be, you know, locked up and in the dark and empty um, and sorting out all of the mail and answering all of the emails and doing all that literally till maybe 11 midnight, one o'clock in the morning. So what did you, you'd close the doors on, on your firm? Yeah, because we weren't taking on any more clients. We couldn't because the the costs involved in just keeping a practice open were just getting too expensive. What I mean by that is, you know, you, you've got to keep renewing your profession demity insurance. You've got to keep having staff and you've yeah. got to keep, and obviously you've got to have an accountant, a certified accountant to do to do the um, accounts every year. And it was just, it was too expensive. So I've made the decision that actually I'm going to have to run the firm down, close the firm down gradually, um, pay back as much as I possibly can and then entered into an arrangement whereby once the firm was closed down that I could then just pay them from you know my employment wage if you like and keep doing oh that gosh. and yeah it was it was it was yeah it was an awful time but looking back I mean at the time you think god it was just how did we get through that as a family um but now I think well all these things are meant to be yeah, yeah, yeah. they're all meant yeah. to be and all these things happen for a reason um, because it it left me pretty shell-shocked, I don't mind admitting. Um, and when I eventually had finished it all and sorted it all out, I it was a long time and I thought, wow, you're, you're not that smart, are you really? And you're not that good in, in business because all that happened. And there was a lot of times where I just thought, you know what, you just stick to that little voice inside that mm. you start. You just stick to Monday to Friday, nine to five. And don't, who do you think you are trying to step out of the, you know, step out and do something? You, you, and and you, you almost go back to that working class, how you were brought up. Yeah. You know, my nan would say, you'd no business owning a law firm. What were you doing that for? Yeah. That kind of yeah, a way, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so for a long time I thought like that um, anyway um, got this job with a uh, national firm in the UK um, climbed the ladder and became head of department and was running uh, three offices around the nation which was great um, and did that for almost seven years and that helped to restore my confidence yeah. but what it also exposed me to was a more corporate way of doing things. So yeah. now I could see what a HR department looked like mm-hmm. and what they did. Mm-hmm. And I got to sit with marketing mm-hmm. and advertising. Um, and then, of course, we had an MD who was really great at doing forecasts. And so I learned so much there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, just after sort of six or seven years, my confidence came back and I thought, that's great. But I'm kind of ready to go back on my own now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. want to do it on my own. The corporate world isn't for me. I love 
being I love fee earning and I love speaking to the to the clients and of course of head of department you don't do that mm-hmm. you are supervising the solicitors um, I was also the training principal which meant that I was responsible for the trainee solicitors that were coming through the door so I was seeing less and less of the clients and losing touch with what I actually love to do mm-hmm. um, so yeah after about I think I think I was there for seven years um, had I known you were going to ask me this question Pat I would have been more prepared <laughs> um, but yeah handed my notice in and thought you know what I'll do I'll just I'll just potter around and I'll do a bit of freelance that's what I'll do for a little while but I'll be my own boss and that'll yeah. be really nice and of course Covid had struck by now um, and I thought we were all oh, wow. so we were pre, all yeah, present day yeah we were all so used to working from home um, I thought oh this will be great and it was nice not to be travelling all around the country Yeah, because obviously I was having to supervise the Manchester office the London yeah. office and the Bristol office just before you, you get on to, to, to what you're about to, to get on to yeah. um, I just wanted to ask when that because obviously you started to say you, once your company you closed it down mm. then you set up a deal where you would pay that bill off from mm. your own personal mm. employee wage yeah the day that finished the last check had been signed whatever mm. and it was zero the balance yeah. was zero and it was finally done and over I yeah mean, what what did that like feel like like how did that um a relief a relief that it was all done um but still a sense of 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 failure you know uh just a, just an overwhelming sense of wow you know you, you feel as if you've you've let the family down really because really? of course yeah because all of that money could have gone to a better house or a better education or and and let's remember it wasn't my bill I was paying back yeah. it was somebody else's I hadn't had that money the the people I bought the firm off had had that money but they'd cleverly worded the contract and I'm not I'm not excusing my naivety but they'd worded the contract so that when I bought the firm I bought the debt that went along with it but told me that there was no debt with the firm and of course stupidly I believed them yeah. so absolutely a, a massive feeling of you know we we went through all that hardship and all that sacrifice and what for mm-hmm. really to pay someone else's debt back um and there was lots of negotiation along the way and you know i, I did get um a finance specialist involved um to help me negotiate the the amount down um lots of going through the old files because you know the legal aid agency would and they did look they just didn't do it to the firm i'd bought they did a sweep you know, you speak to lots of firms that had legal aid certificates. A lot of them went under because the legal aid started to do audits and go, actually, the way that you were claiming money from us back in the day was wrong. And we now want all that money back. Oh, so, so that, that there was, was lots right. of firms that, that were going out of business. The bigger firms, some firms were sort of joining, joining forces with other firms. Some firms were able to, to carry it through. Um, but the smaller firms, such as the firm that I'd bought, um, no, they had to shut the doors. Uh, and just, just quickly, a side note on that, I, I just want to touch on it quickly. Obviously, legal aid is still around, but only for domestic violence. Is that right in the family law? Yes, it is domestic violence. And um, if you're involved with local authorities, if your children are being taken into right. care um, at times, again, you've still got to go through the means and merits test, but you can sometimes get legal aid for that as well. But it used to be for, oh, ev- everything. for everything. You and could then... get legal aid for a divorce, for finances, right. for children. It was what just depended on your 
living arrangement, well, how much yeah, you're earning so sort of thing? how much you're earning and the success of your case. Um, and okay. of course, what okay. happened, well, it all sort of happened around the same time. So 2010, 2011, the legal aid agency started to do all the audits on all the firms. So that's when things started to get a little bit scary. Um, unbeknownst to me at the time, I was blase going, oh, my firm's fine. We don't owe anything. <laughs> little did I know. Um, and then 2013, our contracts came to an end. Our legal aid contracts came to an end. We were given a choice if we wanted to renew them or not. But legal aid had, the Legal Services Commission had changed all the pricing structure and they'd reduced um, their prices. So, and of course it was only for domestic violence. And I made the decision not to renew my legal aid contract. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So then it was a case of, private work only so yeah. privately paying clients which is what I do now but of course the firm had done so well as a legal aid practice that we didn't attract private paying yeah. clients they thought oh that's a legal aid firm yeah and there was a stigma back in the day if you did legal aid you weren't as good as a private Got you. solicitor Got you. Um, so that was the other sort of burden that I had then. I was trying to not only build the practice up to attract private clients. Yeah. Um, and of course, back then, it wasn't the social media like there is now. Yeah. So it was just all Google AdWords. And that's what I meant when I said that in order to keep the practice open, there was so much of an outlay that had to be made. And I just couldn't do it because I had this huge bill well, yeah. to pay back. I remember, I'm sure you won't mind me saying this. I remember when, I don't know how old I would have been. Well, all of us, I was probably 13, 14. 14, and I think it was your firm when you'd um, obviously taken it over and uh, from a marketing point of view this is what we used to do back in the day obviously there was no social media um, and as you say there was Google but there was also the traditional door-to-door yeah and you'd printed off I think thousands and thousands of these leaflets yeah yeah went to the, the local area of where the, the kind of you were based and yeah. just all three of us I don't think Decky was doing no any, it would have been too small me Ronan and Con just knocking on every door Putting, putting them through, through the, the letterbox, box. yeah, yeah. For, oh my yeah. God, I remember. It's mad you yeah. forget, like, doing them little things. Yeah, it's so true. All helps. It's so true, um, it all helps. It's mad, though, because obviously to present day, where, as you say, legal aid is only for a certain criteria, yeah. it's you almost forgot that it was so widely used. Oh, it was huge, was, yeah. absolutely huge. And, I mean, my practice, that was one of the reasons I bought the practice, was super busy. Right. I mean, you know, you couldn't... You, People were falling over themselves to get a legal aid solicitor. You know, the the phone never stopped ringing. Yeah. You know, a full-time receptionist would be answering that phone and booking appointments all the time. Yeah. So there was no fear of not getting enough work in. There was yeah. plenty of work. Um, it was just unfortunate that I didn't read the contract better yeah. um, and got stung with a massive big bill. Well, you know, these, these things happen, I suppose. They do, and... they do. And again, I, I can look back now and appreciate that it happened for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot. 100%. Um, I learned an awful lot from that. Um, and, and I think it, it, it just showed something in me, actually, that I didn't realise how much grit and determination I did have yeah. to, you know, thankfully, um, nothing was in my name. It was all in your dad's name because we could have lost the house and everything um, had things been in my name. But for whatever reason, and I can't remember now why that was, the house that we lived in was in Dad's name. Um, so the wow. house was safe. That was fate. That was fate, for 100% sure. 100% Because the house would have would have gone, you know, they would have made me sell the house to take the equity from really? it. Oh, absolutely. They had the power to do it. 
you know, I was a direct, I was the only director of that business. So they had the power and, and I owed it. Well, you know, I, I'd never had the money, but because of the contract, I owed it to them as a director. So even though because um, you were married, obviously, obviously you married to dad, is it, is it not marital asset? Would they not? No, have... no, not for not for that sort of, um, okay. not that interpretation from, from a contract point of view. Sure. Okay. Dad had nothing to do with the business. Okay. So the house in his name, thankfully. So then that brings us to the present day. Um, yeah. All so... of that kind of, not trauma, but like you've went through a lot, experiences, yeah. barrister in Australia, solicitor, owning your own business, going corporate. Going corporate, then we yeah, hit COVID. that was pretty stressful. Then, then we hit COVID. Well, that was the plan to go freelance. And um, because I was uh, head of department and on the exec um, with the firm that I used to work for, I had a non-compete clause. So when I left them, I couldn't actually work for any other family law firm for three months, which was fine. I was more than happy to take a rest. When you said that, that blew my mind because that Mm. is effectively saying, right, well, you can't have any other job. Any Like, okay, you can. You can't work. I could have for... took a job in Tesco's or Morrison's, or but you know. That's obviously not your line of work. That's, yeah. In any but other yeah, profession, that's, it's so that's mental yeah. to even think about. Although maybe when you get to that them levels, like yes. as high as you do, you probably do have them. And I fully understood that because right. obviously okay. I had you know read my contract when I, my terms <laughs> of employment, so I fully now understood. You're <laughs> yeah, and of course that's why you you know that when you hand your notice in, you make sure that you've got enough money in the bank that you get through those three yeah. months. Yeah. Um, so that. Was was fine um but yeah it was during those three months and I thought well I can't I can't have another job I can't do anything else mm-hmm. um that I think it was Connor because you guys had then started on the TikTok yeah. as the four brothers um and me and Connor were just chatting in the kitchen one day and he said why don't you do it mum I said oh don't be daft <laughs> no one's going to want to listen to a boring old solicitor on TikTok that's silly um but it, it kind of I was bored you know I was kind of moping about the house and I thought you know what go on then I'll give it a go and I remember that first video and I must have sat there for about two hours saying the same thing over and over and I thought oh I don't look right my hair's not right and this isn't right and I think I've deleted the video now um but yeah it just went from there I had no idea how well received the information I give would be yeah. it really an is audience well for received. everything it's mm. it's it's mad when you actually i remember the first few videos you were doing like when you think back because obviously back then when there was no audience or mm. you know a limited audience there was less comments and so you're having to make up the own content you kind yeah, of had yeah, to bring yeah. the ideas and what are we going to yeah. talk about and it was all based on what you thought would be interesting and i remember you obviously as you do when you first start you trial everything anything yeah, and everything yeah. and there was like I think some jokes involved I used and... to do because at, at that point I was doing five videos a day I had nothing else to do oh my five videos a day yeah, um, but of course I knew that I knew what people would ask in practice the questions they would ask yeah so I, I would you know ultimately know what the content would be about but I used to do um, video number three every day, which is the middle of the day, used to be a did you know? Did you oh, know? Yeah, that was it. Did you know? <laughs> and I used to take some really extreme stories, yeah. generally from the States or from China, of couples that had been divorced. And they were really far out there, but they yeah. were true. Like yeah. they were all true. 
Um, and of course, it, it, yeah, it, it got it just got a few more views because people like that kind of light hearted, mm. you know, approach to it. And then the other wraparound, so the two in the morning and the two in the afternoon that, mm-hmm. you know, happened were of a more serious, you know, so you want to start your divorce, yeah. you don't know where to start and blah, blah, blah. Um, anyway, by the time the three months were up, I already had a diary full of appointments. People just who, from TikTok. Just from TikTok. Crazy. It's still just from TikTok. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I don't yeah, do any just... advertising. It's all word of mouth. Yeah, and it's all well, social media. Well, that is advertising media. in a sense. As much as you're producing True. content, you're advertising yourself. Yeah. You know, it's it's a personal brand, and you've now got to a point where people, because that's the point. It's like people trust you because they they've seen you and heard you before they've had to pay to have a consultation. Yes. Which most solicitors you can't even do. Yes. So they've you've already got that kind of leg up really yeah that's um, true and you don't think you went in there thinking that not at all i think you were just not at all i literally thought i'll do these tiktoks they're a bit of fun yeah i was watching you guys have so much fun as the four brothers on there um and i thought it you know before i know it the 12 weeks will have passed and then i can start working yeah. um, and do some google advertising and as i say when the 12 weeks were up i had a diary full you know i was saying to people look you know i can't i can't i can't absolutely i'm more than happy to help you but we can't have an appointment until the first of this month, yeah. whenever that month was. I can't remember. Um, and yeah, that was it. Never, never looked back really. And it just went from strength to strength. And now I really enjoy the social media. Mm-hmm. I love the social media. Mm-hmm. I love getting on the Discord Mondays and Tuesdays because um, the feedback is immense. And I'm I'm quite proud of the fact that I've started and created this community. Yeah. So I have all the moderators on TikTok on a Monday and Tuesday night. And if I say I'm on holiday, they genuinely miss it. Yeah. They love having that responsibility of helping people because mm-hmm. they're there. People are like, oh, how do I ask Tracy a question? How do I get on Discord? How do I do this? And they're like, right, I know the answer to that. And yeah. they love that part. They love yeah. that responsibility. And, and I, I love to see that. And they will high five each other. You know, Missy comes on and she's like, oh, hi, Zoe, I've missed you and haven't seen you. And I think, well, God, we've created all of Mm -hmm, that. You know, mm -hmm. that's so nice. And the amount of people that just come into the lounge and listen, you know, or the amount of people that email or direct message me and say, I'm really happily married. I just love listening to the Discord (laughs) or love listening to your TikTok. Well, it's, it's almost like a modern day Jeremy Kyle. In 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 a yeah. in a dumb dumbed down not dumbed down but like a maybe a, a more in, moderate, in a less dramatic yeah, way less dramatic yeah way. It's, yeah everyone it's I think that's why reality TV is so you know popular it's just interesting to listen in to other people's lives absolutely. and their problems and oh what's the solution oh I wouldn't have done that oh I wouldn't have yeah done that. and absolutely. everyone's got an opinion on stuff yeah yeah no it, it is it is I think it's taken off very well and it's um it is a testament I think I would say to your resilience you know from um, maybe I'm biased in saying this, but being your son, um, I can see firsthand how hard you work. Um, this isn't done by luck. This is, you know, a lot of hard work behind the scenes and over a long period of time. Like, yeah, a long period and of time. I think going back to the middle of the, the podcast when you were talking about, you took over that business, and um, unfortunately, you occurred that previous owner's yeah, debt, and you yeah. had to. I mean, to think you have to pay back that amount of money is just would put most people into a place where oh, yeah. you're not coming back from. Yeah. But to to just work every day, take it take each day as it comes and, and pay it off to then it's kind of come all the way to this yeah. point now of like just you work, know, work, work, work. And you and... know what kept me going, I'll be completely honest. If you are ever declared a bankrupt, 
you lose your ability to practice law. You can't have a practice certificate if you've if if you're if you're a bankrupt right. and it was that that drove me on because like, that's not an option well because i'd worked so hard getting my law degree i'd been pregnant in yeah. my third year you know as a family we'd sacrificed a lot i gave up a lot of weekends and evenings you yeah. know to get qualified and i just thought i'm damned if they're going to take that from me as well mm-hmm. and it was that that kept me going and it was that that kept me negotiating and the thing is you know not that i'm qualified to give any debt advice but when you are looking at a mountain of debt your the people that you owe money to generally just want to hear from you you know and if you are happy to enter into a payment plan they will live with that because it's better to have you know 50 pound coming every week than nothing at all so i just kept talking and I just kept paying and, you know, sometimes the payments would go down, maybe at Christmas time, but I'd prearrange it with them. And then after Christmas, I'd go back up again, but I'd prearrange it with them and just kept talking and talk. And of course, I can't remember now the person I would speak to, but you get on good terms with them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was a good payer. If I said I'd pay on the first of the month, I'd pay on the first of the month, you know, regardless of what else needed to be paid, I'd make it, you know. And I think for those of you out there maybe suffering from debt, know that just keep going you know even if it's a pound a week yeah you're making an effort to clear it down yeah. and that's what the people that you owe money to want to see yeah that you're even though it's a lot of money if you just show look okay let's break it down like yeah. this and show an interest yeah. and actually look i want to pay this off yeah that probably goes a lot further and I, I would do things like I'd prepare a, sh- a schedule every year and I'd be like, this is what my husband's got coming in. This is what I've got coming in. Um, evidence it with accounts or, you know, P60s. Mm-hmm. This is the money that we've got going out and evidence that with the utility bills. And I've got four kids and blah, blah, blah. And of course, you know, if you over egg the pudding and say, look, I, honestly, I'm giving you every last bit of disposable income that I've got. Well, what more can they do? Because the thing is, if, if they want to take you down the bankruptcy route, well, they're going to get bugger all then anyway. Yeah. Because then I just throw my hands in the air and go, well, fine, but I can't do it. I mean, obviously, yeah. I always hoped they wouldn't do that, and they didn't, um, and it all got paid back. But um, Jeez. Well, yeah. yeah. As you say, everything happens for a reason. And um, Well, it does, because I think I learned so much from that experience, and then going into the corporate world, that's taught me so much. Mm that now I feel, even in my mature years, I feel as if now's my time. I kind of feel as if I've hit a sweet spot now. I love the social media. Mm -hmm. I love the new way that we are delivering legal services. I love that people are far more confident now to walk into a law firm and not feel intimidated anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm really excited for, for what the next chapter holds. Agreed, agreed, yeah. Brilliant. Well, yeah, that was a very interesting one. Really, uh, really Well, thank nice you for to... that, Paddy. I, did, I honestly didn't think it was going to go that way at all. I thought, right, we, t- we spoke about divorce and finances the last time we chatted. Yep. He's bound to talk to me about children tonight. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that well, was... Well, I kind um, of did in a way. We, we were you involved. Did. You were involved, yeah. <laughs> So, well, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that. A little bit of an insight, I suppose, into the legal queen. Uh, For those of you that follow me regularly, I'm sure that you all um, learnt something new because I don't share, to be fair, a lot of my um, personal or or private Mm. career um, on the social media. It is all about the followers and it is all about the listeners and that's how it should be. So, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you enjoyed listening to that podcast and we'll speak to you all again soon.